Welcome to Men or Nots, a podcast to do with mental health, emotional health, physical health, and maybe psychological health. Awareness in men and in society in what's happening today. This is Men or Nots, M-A-N, acronym, M-A-N, Men or Nots. First it started with man, then it went to men. We have a very special guest on the show today. Welcome yourself. Welcome to the podcast. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm in, my name is Bobby Umar. I'm a professional speaker and a digital media uh, influencer. And I spend most of my time focused on leadership development and helping people find uh, transition and career growth, as well as uh, personal branding initiatives and uh, finding more fulfillment in their lives. Wow. So, Bobby, where, I, I can call you Bobby. Yes. Yeah, Bobby, whereabouts are you then? I can hear a little twang, an accent. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm, I'm from Toronto, Canada, home of the Championship Raptors. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love Canada and I've been here all my life. Right, okay. So, so you're, you're Canadian and, and right now, or have you had in the last couple of weeks snow? Uh, yes, I mean it is Canada, so we have <laughs> snow for five five months. So, wow! Uh, ab- absolutely, you know, from from November to March, there's always going to be snow. So, I expect it to uh, go away shortly, but not right now. <laughs> so, do you? So, obviously, you've you've gotten used to the snow and the cold weather, and is that something that you know? Is that something that you've got used to over the years? Obviously, you've lived this so long. Well, I grew up with it, right? So, I was born here, so I grew up with it. So, it's it's uh, I'm used to it. The only thing is now in my old age. I don't enjoy snow the way I did when I was a child. Yeah. Now I'm just like, ah, snow, God, go away. <laughs> yeah, snow. I remember, um, I remember years ago hearing about Canada, and I, you know, kind of always wanted to go there and 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 stuff. And I remember um, I had a friend who lived there, and we was on was on was on Skype, but we was on something where she 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 opened the door. Um, she opened the front door, and I, I couldn't believe how how much snow there was. I mean, I know the snow. You know, I was told that snow is quite um, prolific there, but I didn't realise how high it got. And it was, and it was like literally, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a feet high. Is that the usual what you get now, or is it, or is it, are things changing? Hmm, good question. I really noticed as much of a difference. I mean, for the most part, you know, I've lived in different cities, so it's it's shifted over the years. But I think that I think snow is less common than it used to be. But whether that's a global warming thing, who knows? But uh, it's not as bad as it was when I remember growing up in terms of missed school days and things like that. <laughs> uh, now it's, uh, you know, or maybe they have better systems to deal with the snow. But for the most part, I haven't noticed a significant shift, maybe a little bit of snow. Yeah, uh, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's, let's talk about, um, you know, you know, we're here to talk about, you know, your thoughts on, on, on mental health and, and just... We say mental health. I mean, a lot of people have got uh, it's got this stigma, and I'm trying to get rid of this stigma where mental health is still talking about going to um, mental home or asylum and and all this sort of thing. So, you know, give us your thoughts on you know you and where where you're coming from, and and just a bit back, background story of how you've managed to um, get through your your life and and to, to this point where you are now. Well, you know, I think when I think about mental health, uh, it's something that I'd say is more recent. You know, I never really thought about mental health back back when I was growing up. I never thought much about 
in, in my uh, early career. Uh, what's interesting is though, as I go along in my life, I start to realize that all the different impacts that life, particularly when I'm young, has had on me. Yeah. Right. And I look at and I look at mental health in couple in several different areas. So one would be, for example, uh, just my relationships. Right. So how I'm with my wife, how I'm with my children. Yeah. Uh, how, what kind of father I want to be, and I relate directly to the way my parents were. And so, and you know, one of the challenges I had. Uh, growing up with my parents that you know they were immigrants and so I was fully Canadian and trying to navigate my cultural side of my families which was Pakistani Muslim and then navigating the westernized aspect of me growing up and I've kind of lived two different worlds and universes and then as I um, as I move on to where I am now you know I have my my parents universe and I have my universe and I have my kids who are like a mix and it's like okay where do I focus my time and energy with them and so uh, and there's a lot of pressure from the family to raise my kids a certain way. There's pressure for my wife to raise them a certain way. There's pressure on my own in terms of how I want to find the balance and the independence yeah. uh, to raise my kids the way I want. So I think there's a mental, and, and how, how I'm with my wife, because there's definitely a culture clash. Yeah. So I think there's there's always a mental health challenge there in terms of navigating all the different emotions that you have. Like, uh, you know, we, we grow up with our parents instilling their values upon us. And then we eventually start to form our own values. And then soon that there's, there's, there's this conflict between parents and children where parents want to push their values and you know expect their kids to live by their values, but kids have their own values. Yeah. And so kids kids feel rejected. Kids feel like they're rejecting their parents by uh, you know by not adhering to their values. Parents feel rejected because their kids are living their own lives. And soon, next thing you know, parents are pushing their values too much on their kids, and kids are, are changing their perspectives to try to meet their kids, their their parents' values demands. And next thing you know, they feel trapped. Yeah. And so I meet I meet tons of people over, over the years who felt trapped because they've been following their parents' guidelines for career, for love, and things like that. And I felt the same way when I was when I was younger. I thought I was going to have an arranged marriage with a Pakistani, uh, you know, woman, and uh, uh, it didn't happen. Didn't come out that way. I ended up marrying uh, my wife, who's Caucasian. Yeah. But you know, it certainly was a lot of pressure on me to be a certain way. So, you know, that's one aspect of mental health that I often think about, and it still affects me today. Because even now, like, I am now, you know, just had my birthday a couple weeks ago. I'm turned forty nine. Right. And I can sit, I can sit my, when my father, you know, goes to my father and he's older now, you know, he's 76 years old and he's, he's older now. He's not as strong as he used to be. But when he calls me into his office and I'm sitting there across from the desk, I feel like a kid. Like I literally feel like <laughs> yeah. a 12 year old, yeah. right? When he, when he tells me something that he wants to, you know, explain to me or judge me on, it's like, oh my God, like, what's going on? I'm 49. I feel like I'm 14. It's crazy. Um, so I think that's one aspect of mental health that I certainly think about. The other mental health aspect is with my career or my business. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think that, uh, and with work, I've often struggled sometimes with fitting in and, um, you know, feeling fulfilled. And uh, one story I'll tell you is that um, when I was in the middle of my corporate job post, my MBA, and uh, I had an anxiety attack and it was kind of, it kind of floored me. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I remember my heart palpitating and my hands were sweaty and I couldn't talk and I was in my director's office and he was, he was he was chastising me for something that went wrong and I just sat there I couldn't say a word yeah. and 
it was very awkward because I'm normally a pretty chatty guy and I'm usually pretty calm, but I sat there not saying anything and he tried to engage me and talk to me. I just didn't say anything for about at least 10, 20, 20 minutes. And he started getting comfortable, like, what's wrong with you? What's going on? Like, you know, like, and he's like, okay, fine, why don't you go to your desk and uh, think about this? So I got up and I left. And the day, that day after I went to see, uh, I went I went through their um, their employee assistance program and I looked up a counselor and I went to see the counselor and told told uh, told her what happened. And she's like, oh, that's like classic, you had an anxiety attack. And then yeah. I just laughed. I was like, what? Come on, I'm as chill as a cucumber. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I, I never, I can't even imagine that happening. Yeah. Uh, and what was interesting is that several things happened. One, I, first of all, one, I denied it because I was like, I'm, you know, who am I? I've, I've always been strong mentally. I've, yeah. If you know what I've been able to get through, you know, I, I, you know, married a white girl and I went on my own path and I switched schools, I switched, switched everything. Like I can handle this. And so I was denying that, that aspect of, you know, feeling like a failure because of, of it having ha- happened to me. And then the second thing that happened was I didn't tell my manager or my, my, my director who I talked to before about what was going on with me. Yeah. I was too embarrassed because I was, I thought that maybe they'll think badly of me because I'm trying to be successful in this business and this career. And yeah, it was, it was a very difficult situation. And so I never even talked about it until years later. Yet, you know, there was all this pressure on me to succeed uh, in the workplace, there was pressure on me to provide for my family because, uh, you know, I, I uh, was, you know, my wife and I were married. We were going to start thinking about having a family. All these things were coming down the pipeline. And, and I pressured my parents to be, you know, they, they were very patriarchal. So they said, you know, the, they would say the man should provide. As much as I, my wife and I are equals, that's what they, you know, threw down my my head my whole life, right? Yeah. So there's all this pressure on me. And, and, and I'm not sure what happened with the anxiety attack. You know, I also struggled with my weight and, and with my, with and what happened during that, that time I became, I had the anxiety attack. It turned out that my blood sugar was way out of whack, and I soon, within a couple of months, became diabetic. Right. And uh, when I um, told, so two months, so I, I went to the doc. My wife and I are trying to start a family. So actually, there's a, there's a timeline here. In December, uh, for for about a year, we we're trying to start a family. We we're we we're having trouble. Then I went to the doctor in December uh, around around what was going on, and then in January I had the the panic attack. And then, and I found like I was just so headachy and I couldn't stay awake. And I used to work like 12 hours a day and I couldn't get past, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, that ninth, ninth or 10th hour. And so then I had the anxiety attack. And then three months later, I was so busy. I didn't have time to go to the doctor to, to follow up on my, on my appointments. And finally saying, like, Bobby, you have to come in. So then I went into March, did a test. He's like, you know, come back in next week. We have something to discuss. And I came back in next week and he's like, Bobby, you have diabetes. And I was like, what? Why? What happened? And he basically said that, you know, I was under so much pressure that at some point my pancreas just probably just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that that's why things happen. And I, and here's another another mental thing. As soon as that happened, I went away for a week to Montreal um, and I binged and I just ate like everything I could. It was crazy, crazy, yeah. it was stupid because there was denial, there was anger, there was frustration. Um, and then I came back from that trip and then I went to my, my um, my, my manager and the HR rep and I said look you know I've got diabetes um, it kind of happened while on this job which is very stressful and uh, you know here's my, my, my hope is I'd like two weeks off and then just so you know what, what the situation was a normal diabetes level in Canada is below 6.2 yeah. and in December it was 12 wow. and in March it was 16 and, they, and basically they said you need to get, get 
get control, otherwise you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, I want two weeks off just to get my blood sugar under control, and then another, and then I want to take my hours back, skill them back to something more normal, like maybe 50 hours a week versus 80 hours a week. And then three weeks later, they gave me a package, and they basically said, see you later. We don't want to deal with you. Wow. And yeah, like that was... Wow. That was a really that was a really surreal uh, situation. It's going to get worse. Too. I'm going to tell you more, but like it's, yeah. it's a very, it's a very crazy five six months. Yeah. Um. So then, so I look. I got packaged out. Uh, I was actually happy because they gave me a pack. I'd only been there for eight months, and they gave me a six month package. I was like, wow, it's fantastic. <laughs> but it's, pro- it's, it's because it, I kind of blamed them for my health situation, and so they gave me a really nice package. So I wouldn't say anything, and I yeah, didn't. Yeah. I left. I left right away, and I was like, I was happy about it. I was excited about it. I went downstairs, wrote some some thank you cards, everyone at my at my at my work, and I sent those upstairs. But then uh, again, uh, two about a month and a half later, my wife almost died of E. coli, wow. and it was I was in the emergency room with like six doctors working on her, basically trying to keep her alive, and she was in ICU for for a week, and then. Um, uh, and then uh, in uh, sorry in ICU's intensive care unit yeah. and then she was in the hospital for another week and then I took care of her for two months and, and so now you know from a period of December to uh, June you know uh, we had to start a family I had a panic attack I lost my job got diabetes my wife almost died and I'm like okay what is important in our lives yeah you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, our, our career and our lives, like what's important to us? And so my wife and I had to really make some really tough decisions and, and really think about this for ourselves because, yeah, like all that stuff that, you know, work and bosses put on you, and it happens all the time. Like, you know, at the time I, I realized I never want to work for the corporation again because I just found it was too much. Yeah. Uh, now... As I moved on, you know, like 14 years later, my wife still had trouble with uh, dealing with a toxic work environment, a toxic director. And then even me, I still struggle, struggled with burnout. Like uh, one of the big things as an entrepreneur is that it's lonely. Yeah, and definitely. there's there's burn, there's there's overwhelm and there's burnout. And that's something I've dealt with several times over the last like five, six years. So, you know, those those, those challenges from a mental health perspective definitely don't go away. Yeah. And so, so there's a second aspect of mental health with your work and then the third one uh, for mental for me is really around uh me and myself my body my health yeah. you know i've always struggled with body image my whole life you know um one thing i'll share with, you know with weight you know, I've, I've always been overweight i eat a lot of it i i have binge eating disorder i'm a food addict and yeah. you know food has been a big mental thing that i've been struggling with my whole life right. and when i was younger i can tell you that um had a lot of body image issues uh, in grade I remember in grade nine, I was uh, part of a swim club and I remember going swimming with my friends and I just spent the whole time with my arms draped around my body because I was too ashamed you know, to show off my love handles, my tummy, yeah. things like that. And I was just, and what's interesting is that was the last time I ever took my shirt off in public again wow. for, 30, for 30 years. Wow. I never ever did again so i would have uh, oh so all through my high school university young adults and into my 30s i would never go on water slides i would never take my shirt off at beaches or pools i would avoid any sort of situation where i'd have to take my shirt off in front of people i wouldn't change in front of people um yeah it was a really difficult time for my body image to kind of deal with that yeah and uh 
And then as I got older, you know, trying to manage that um, with the diabetes and get, getting healthier, you know, I realized that I have to learn to deal with this stuff, this and as well as the weight. So I started, uh, you know, working on a mental mindset because I realized that your mental health, particularly on body image and your health, and I feel very solid, is a very difficult thing to, to get over. Yeah. I started, you know, I worked with a psychotherapist my, on my food addiction, and she also talked about mindfulness and trying to be more mindful, like, you know, in the shower or at bed and try not to think about things. And what I found is that I have an extremely active mind. Like, my mind is always active. I'm a yeah. chess player, right? So I tend to think of things 10 moves, 10 moves ahead. Yeah. And it's, that's yeah. how I am. I, I, so I, I'm always thinking about everything. Yeah. And so quieting my mind is a very difficult challenge. I've always I had trouble with mindfulness, had trouble with meditation. Uh, but, uh, you know, the food thing is something that I've been working with for a very, very long time. My mind is always telling me what to do, what not to do. My mind, uh, I, as I call my mind, he's the most charming guy I know. He knows every, he, he's very convincing. He knows exactly what to say. He knows how to push my buttons. And, and it's hard, it's hard to ignore him because he's me. And so, you know, I'd always justify reasons to eat or binge or whatever it might be. And so getting control and of my mindset is, I think, one of the biggest journeys just of my life. Yeah. And so and so those are those are the three that I think about when it comes to mental health. The mental health I deal with my relationships, whether that's my wife, my kids, my parents, and people around me. The second one is the work that I do and dealing with, you know, the anxiety attacks, toxic environments, um, and uh, overwhelm and burnout. And then there's me, myself and I, which is the which is body image mental mindset binge eating and all that kind of stuff so those are three areas which i find mental health is something that i am constantly navigating yeah it's funny because when you when you when we when when you've mentioned um mental health and it's sure. and it's exactly what i've I said at the beginning to do with the whole podcast is it's it's not it's it's mental health then it becomes emotional because obviously there's emotions there and then the the, the 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 psychological and the physical obviously the physical and the psychological and it's all everything is combined there and it, it one affects the other so where you're where you're um, dealing with things mentally um, it has an effect on the way you eat and what you eat um, and then it affects on affects on the way you, 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 your body is and it then that in turns go back goes back to your mind psychologically and then physically so there's a there's a there's a lot there and you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're sharing this with me because uh, you know it's, it's interesting because you know you you you're a you're a you're a, you're a, you know you're a speaker you're a, you know you've you've been around the globe um, and and it's interesting that sometimes we have as men you know you, and you even hit upon that point as well is that we don't we don't speak you you, you know you you there's a part there when you said you didn't really let people know or you didn't really you, know, you had to kind of comes to terms with it in your head that right I need to let somebody know that this has happened blah blah and then look what happens Some, you know they let go of you the job so it's 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 your 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 background is 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 brilliant and and I like to you know I'd like to go through a part with you where your feelings of how that moment where you know your you know where your wife was was in hospital what was what was going through your minds and and, and in a sense because you've obviously come through that now what was going through your mind at that time and in terms of mental strength and, and, and keeping the family together? Well, I mean, when it all happened, I mean, it was pretty surreal. So I think there's a, there's something that happens to you when you're going through really 
shocking situations or really weird situations <coughs> that is that you kind of everything seems to be going in slow motion yeah and what you're doing you're just watching everything going on around you and you're thinking in slow motion about everything like i said i was a chess player so i'm thinking about oh my gosh what what would happen if she doesn't pull through i mean how am i going to do with this like i i was thinking about you know my being married thinking about having kids and I'm like oh my god like that was, i was thinking about that yeah. but at the same time i'm thinking about logistics like okay what, what, what would i do like what would happen to me in the future like i, I was thinking uh, i i basically thought of all the different scenarios in my head yeah. over that over those four or five hours uh, as i'm processing and then you know, then trying to think of what do I need to do just right now so that I can be there for her and, oh, yeah. wait, I got to tell, tell her parents. And so, um, you know, one thing that helped me to get through that is taking the time to think about it and not, you know, not being on a device, not reading newspapers, not going away, but being there in the moment and just staying there for two, three hours thinking and thinking and thinking. That, that's one thing I did. The second thing was having my family with me. My brother was with me. My mom was with me. And they were helpful to, you know, there to be there to help me process, offer support. I think that's definitely something that helped me get through. I mean, I find with all the different areas of resilience, when it comes to dealing with mental challenges, uh, having people around you uh, that support you is uh, is critical. And yeah. so I think that was something that during that moment got me through. And I think the hard, the hardest part of the whole thing was, you know, I couldn't talk to her, right? Like I couldn't. I couldn't talk to her or find out what's what's going on uh, with her, you know, like I didn't know. Um, the, and, and, the other, and the other thing that happened too was I called her parents and talked to them actually was really helpful too because they were quite, uh, they were also very supportive saying, you know, thank you for calling us and, you know, it's going to be okay and they're trying to make me reassure me and just keep us posted. And, and I think by talking about it, it, it made it easier to process what was going on around me yeah. as opposed to laying it all in my head. Yeah. You know, the whole idea of journaling and processing things is, is a better better tactic for dealing with all the emotions around you. And I think that really helped just talking about it with people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you say, when, when it's uh, one of the things is, uh, one of the things to do with this podcast is has is, is, is become widely recognized now in, in terms of people that I've been speaking to is getting things off your mind and just talking and, and like you said, you couldn't talk to you couldn't talk to him. That means you wanted to her. You wanted to, so you, you had to get those, the, the, you know those thoughts off your mind. Um, I was going to go back. I was going to go back to where you where you when you were a kid. Um, I was going to ask you what 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 did you want to be when you in a sense you was asked that question. What, what did you want to be when you grow you grew up, and how did that change into what you? became as from a young boy to teenager to then now be you know a man a young man and then a man hmm. well you know as a kid i wanted to be all the thing i wanted to be many, many things i wanted to be an astronaut yeah. i wanted to be a hockey player i wanted to be a garbage man but i never i never thought about any of those things uh, in terms of later on and then even and then i think a certain point there's a certain point where i started really focusing on science i was really into math and physics and chemistry and things like that, biology so i was really into science and technology so i started uh, around junior high high school i started seeing that as a path for me although again it hadn't really had, hadn't really refined itself into something specific i just knew there was a science angle science tech angle to me that i was going to do um, what's interesting too is when, when you go back as a kid, I, I saw some of my uh, old birthday cards. Yeah. And again, per, parental pressure, but I, I saw a birthday card from my from my mom and dad. Um, when I was like maybe eight or nine years old, and saying "Happy birthday to our dear boy," and then and then I wrote, "Who's going to become a space scientist?" 
and I was like, wow, they were quite a freshman back then to be a space yeah, yeah. scientist. I had no idea. Because, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to work for NASA. Like, I definitely want to go into space. I love Star Trek and Star Wars. I, I yeah. wanted to be in space. That was the big one, I think, for the most part. Uh, but it's interesting that I never noticed the other pressure that was outside of, you know, like, with the, with the influence I was getting um, from various people that was out there. And then uh, I think uh, probably around, yeah, so in high school, same thing. I was still in good, good with science. I never considered anything else. And, and then when I finally hit university, that's when I was like, wow. Um, it's hard and I'm not as into it as I thought I was. And I, I, but I finished my engineering degree. It took me longer because I failed courses. So it took me six years to finish a four and a half year degree. Yeah. I also started taking lesser course loads because I just was too afraid of failing courses that I'd failed and I wanted to make sure I, I got through. But it definitely, it definitely hit my, um, it really hit me hard from a, uh, confidence aspect you know i used to be you know went into university with a full scholarship and i was you know the brainiac of my family and i you know, had the best grades and uh you know university really humbled me and i lost my confidence lost my mojo yeah, yeah. and uh, and after after i came out of it i was like wow i don't even know what i want to do anymore I, I, I don't like engineering i finished the degree but now what and uh you know i still took i still took on the job in engineering but my heart wasn't into it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did that for four years before realizing that maybe I should do something else. And, and, you know, again, part of it went back to the whole idea of, you know, feeling, well, now I'm rejecting what my dad always said I should do. Or yeah, I'm, yeah, rejecting yeah. What, I'm rejecting what, you know, all, all, all the work I put into engineering school and now this job. And how can I let it go? Like, you know, I'm going to be a failure. I want to be a failure. Like I was success, my success all through, you know, elementary, junior high and high school. And so uh, it, was a, it was a really hard thing to leave. Like, it took me a long time before I left, uh, left what I was doing. And if you look back at it, you know, I finally left because basically I got let go uh, from my engineering job. And at, the, at that time I was, you know, 20, 28 years old, 27, 28 years old. And I had been thinking about not doing this for over a decade like i was thinking in my teens that maybe i should maybe maybe i could do business yeah i remember i remember high school i did this thing called junior achievement where i got to run a business and did marketing and i started doing like business and i actually enjoyed that I, I never once i never saw back then the entrepreneur entrepreneur in me and the business side of me and then in grade 12 i remember i, I actually delivered a business case for this this program i was at and i was the one who did all the business case results and i did the the, the numbers and uh, delivered the presentation. And at the time, I didn't know, oh, he's good at presenting, he's good at numbers, he's good at uh, you know doing business cases, but I never thought of going into business or entrepreneurship uh, because I had all this pressure. So it, it took me 10 years, uh, actually more, because after I did engineering, I went to my MBA, went to brand marketing. So it took yeah. me another 15, 20 years to figure out, okay, you know what, yeah, maybe I should do entrepreneurship and maybe I should be a speaker. All right, okay. So um, in a sense then, you you you've had I've just because I just just you've just basically you've had a lot of pressure in terms of so many um, like you, the background yeah you say you you, you say Pakistani your your family was Pakistani Muslim and and right. and the, all the pressure from then obviously trying to I, I would suspect trying to be almost what your dad would want you to be in a sense um, sure um, yeah and then then you've got that pressure. So, 
you know, even though I, I may speak and say, oh, well, I never had a role model. Um, and yes, I had, I would have loved to have role model as a male, a male role model. Then it's what could come from that in terms of, like you said, you have the other side, you would have had the other side where not, you know, the pressure of maybe being a young boy and, and a young man and thinking, well, this is not really what I want to do. And maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to fail him or I'm going to let him down or, um, so you would have had that side as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely, um, I mean, a lot of the stuff, like when I, when I, for example, when I failed those first courses in university and I lost my scholarship, <coughs> my father was the most dreadful thing I could think of. Yeah. Right? I was terrified to, not because, uh, partially because I feared his, you know, disappointment, but I also was felt bad about myself, but I also, it was a lot of pressure, right, to, to deal with that. And I, I, uh, and also the other, the other pressure I had was, you know, like, constantly was being rewarded by the by the fact growing up that i was the uh i was the smart one yeah, yeah. right so uh, of my brothers and sisters i was the one who got straight a's and got the scholarships right none of my other siblings got those things yeah. so a lot of pressure on me to be the success you know the success of the you know the homer family type thing yeah uh even my grandfather you know chimed in and with you know really with love and praise around you know my marks and my grades and things like that so uh, you know when 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 push came to shove and things started going wonky in university yeah I started to have trouble with processing because I felt like a failure I felt yeah. like a disappointment yeah yeah so in, and then so then the, the moment the moment or moments what what changed you to become a speaker and how did that occur and, and to where you are now yeah so after the um, so after that whole situation uh that, that six-month period where, you know, lost my job, got diabetes, had trouble having kids, anxiety attack, and my wife almost died. Yeah. Um, that's when everything kind of shifted. Um, the first thing that happened was we were like, well, what do we want to do with us? Well, what's important to us? You know, our health's important to us. Our, our well-being's important to us. Finding something we love is important to us. And during that uh, summer, I spent a lot of uh, time talking to people, uh, but particularly my best friends, about you know what's what I should do, what I'm thinking about, and just really trying to figure it out. And that's really when I decided to do a full kind of dive into what I call my personal brand. Dive into really understand my values, my personality traits, my interests, my skills, all those things that uh, you know I never took the time to think about. And so I spent about three, four months doing that, and that's where things started to really shift because. Uh, I started to realize, well, you know what, everything's starting to come into alignment, so it's starting to make sense for me. And so for me, that, that three, four months of diving my brand and really getting some clarity around who I am and what I'm good at, what I want to do and coming up with a plan, um, that, that was a great process because once I was done, um, I had an idea of the things I wanted to do. Then I went out and validated with my network. I basically sent out a survey to like, hundred of my friends and they all gave me feedback and they all fed into the idea and validated the fact that I want to and should do professional speaking. And uh, so that's when I started. And I started with, uh, you know, quite a, I hit the ground running. I was very excited. I was empowered. I was validated. I felt motivated to do it. I, I felt I could do it because all these people had said, yeah, Bobby, this is it. We feel it. You go for it, man. And like, and so that, that whole transition year was phenomenal because I went through a lot, but then getting through that and going through a process to figure out where, what I want to do, where I want to go, 
uh, was amazing. And so I cut cut a year later, and here I was on my way becoming a speaker. And uh, yeah, I think that that whole year was quite pivotal to my turnaround. And and I haven't looked back. Like I mean, before I did that, uh, you know, I used to have, the longest I spent in any job or career was three years, ten months. Yeah. And that situation was 15 years ago, and I haven't looked back. Brilliant, brilliant. And so, and so with that, then did you have, dare I say, did you have any, um, not backlash, but did you have anything from your your, your parents about the that, the way you were going, or was it just, you know, this is this is what I want to do, and I'm going for it. Oh no, I know I had the backlash for sure. Like, yeah. you know, uh, what the people close to you are often the naysayers, right? So yeah. there was more like, well, what exactly is that? What exactly do you mean by speaking? I don't get it. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, years went by before my and my mom still didn't know what I, what exactly I did. Like, she didn't understand that. You know, I had to explain to her. I go to these events and I speak for an hour and I motivate people on things like leadership and personal development, and she didn't get it. But that's what uh, you know. I tried to explain to her because she didn't really understand what I did, right? Are you a teacher? Like, what are you? And I had to explain it to her. So, and there was, you know, there was always uh, the odd um, conversation. Would say, hey, you know what? Uh, your cousin is doing well as an engineer. He's making this much money, and you know, have you thought about doing that again? I'm like, mom, that was like 10 years ago. I'm never going back to engineering. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, but she would bring it up. You know, it's five, 10 years later. Uh, which is hilarious because yeah, I was like yeah. firmly entrenched in doing this, but you know she thought, hey, but here's an opportunity, and I'm like, there's no. I said, the engineering was ten years ago, man. I'm never going back to that. Um, so yeah, I certainly got that. Over there. I still get it. I mean, I I just saw my mom and dad yesterday, and they're concerned about various things about about me and my career, and my business, right? They're always uh, asking questions, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, sure, it, it doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. And, and and one of the reasons why I asked it because you, you mentioned being you know um, Pakistani Muslim because growing up I remember um, I had some I had some friends who were, who, were, who were Pakistani and their their families always wanted them to be doctors but there's there's one of them there's one of them who was a brilliant footballer you know in in America they call it soccer and all that but the one, he was a brilliant footballer but he was he was he, he he kind of went through a similar thing to you in the sense of where he he couldn't. He couldn't. Um, he couldn't do that. He couldn't do that career because of the pressure. Because they wanted him to be a doctor, and in the end, he didn't even become a doctor. He ended up running a jewelry store. So, you know, there's, yeah, which is what he wanted to do. In a sense, he wanted to have something where he could just, you know, as he grew up. Because as kids, as young as young men, and and even young women or whatever, but young men, we we change, and and we all have our own thoughts and. It might not be for what our parents might not want. So yeah, like, you know, I, I definitely um, kind of listen to your story and, and and I kind of acknowledge it because I've I've, I've got friends who have grown up with in a similar situation, and um, yeah, it's um, it's interesting and and it's and it goes with a lot of you know a lot of people in different walks of life. Even in here in Qatar, where there's people, you know, there's people want to be the, the parents want them to be engineers, but. They don't really want to be engineers. They want to be something else. So um, it happens. And um, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of pressure from different angles. Like you say, you've got your grandparents as well, chiming in, chiming yeah. in, <laughs> which is brilliant. So how do you how how do you feel now? Since you, you know, you, in terms of you know, um, you know, um, um, I'm saying your, your wife is okay now. Since, yeah, that's, since, 
Oh yeah, no, yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's okay. So in in terms of you, then now you 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 became a father. Yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you how do you I'm going to ask you this, but how do you see yourself in terms of you being a parent and then your your father being your parent? How do you how do you do your parenting? Do you let your kids? Is it completely different, or do you kind of mix the kind of what your parents used to say to you, and then kind of put them on? Well, well, no, it's it's completely different. Yeah. Um, but there are things that I took from my parents' yeah. values and, and the way they did things. But yeah, yeah. for the most part, I am also doing things that are way different. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm far more well read <coughs> research in terms of what uh, you know I want to do and how I'm doing things. Yeah. I work with my partner, uh, my wife, to you know put these things together really, really well. And as a parent, I'm fully invested. So like you know, I'm I'm uh, my father's more of an authoritarian. Yeah. Uh, whereas I'm more of a democratic type parent. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I get the kid. We do family meetings. I, I I empower them. I get them involved in things. I give. I try to give them as much of a voice. Versus saying, versus telling them to do what I say because I, it's, I'm your father, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I essentially try to, uh, you know, keep them. Uh, I try to empower them with values and instill them with uh, the things that are important to me. And I'm very, I'm, I'm always there. I'm very, I'm very much there for them. I'm around all the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that uh, my parenting style is uh, something that I'm very proud of. You know, it's yeah, yeah. a lot of stress, of course, but I'm proud of the fact that I'm there. I'm supportive. I empower them. I listen. I have a lot of patience to deal with the challenges that they have uh, when they're dealing with things. Uh, but it just takes a lot of patience and, and hands-on. And I'm very hands-on as a dad. And I recently went on a program to talk about being a new age 21st century dad, which yeah. is different. It's about it's about sharing the mental load. It's about it's about being you know there physically and mentally and emotionally for your kids. It's about uh, it's about you know being well read and doing doing your research and just being available and present for them so uh, that's the type of dad i am yeah so what does what does um bobby do to help him to help him um cope with if, if, if there's ever signs of stress or anxiety just for the listeners out there what do you do do you do do you go out there for walks do you do you bang a drum what what is it what do you do for to help you kind of um in your day-to-day to kind of relax and not have those things running through your mind and all these sort of things uh, yeah, there's a bunch of things i mean i think that uh uh one is embrace the fact that these things happen and forgive yourself for you know getting overwhelmed getting burnt out getting stressed getting whatever that whatever happens to you right if i if i binge i forgive myself if i get overwhelmed i forgive myself you have to that's a, that's a, a really key thing to start um the second thing is uh, leveraging my support network so i will go to my close friends my support network and i'll bring it up and i'll say here's what i'm dealing with here's what i need help with and i do, I do that on purpose because it definitely leads to more um, processing as well as getting the support you need to, to deal with it and then then there's things I can do to try to uh, try to, to try to get through the stress. And you know, one thing I'm avoiding now is, is food, because yeah. food was always the thing that I would go to. But uh, nature, I find, is very healing. So if I can go for a walk, especially if it's a nice sunny day, if I can go uh, someplace where there's water, I love water. Yeah. You know, whether it's a swimming, swimming a pool or a beach, I find water to be quite healing. Um, if I can get myself to a spa and get a massage, you know, like the hot tub, that type of stuff. 
all those things I find to be really helpful to kind of help calm me down and uh, and help me get through what I'm going through. And then the last thing I do is I actually I put down plans like um, you know I process it. I ask for my support network, but then I put down plans of what am I going to do. Yeah. I always go back to what am I going to do about it. So I write down the things I want to do, and when I find writing them down just makes me feel better. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. and then I start doing doing things one at a time. And you know once you have two two or three ticks off your your checklist. For me, I feel a lot better. Though, okay, I'm on my way to getting past this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you know, before we kind of wrap this up, um, you know, I hope there's people, the people listening out there, and and like you say, listening to you and and what you've gone through, and and and, and kind of taking some some inspiration inspiration for what you know what the things that you do. Um, just tell them a little, you know, before we go, just tell them a little bit of the things that you're doing now and, you know, what you've done as a speaker and, and all those, you know, with countries you've been and, and, and what you do as a speaker and what you, what you talk about. Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been a speaker now for 15 years. I travel around the world. I've been to about maybe a dozen countries. Uh, speaking about leadership development is probably the main thing. But, yeah. you know, within, within leadership development and soft skills, there's things like, uh, communication, personal branding, employee engagement, people development, uh, empathy, uh, social media, digital influence, <clears throat> yeah. how to how to build authentic relationships, build deep connections. These are I focus mostly on people and people connection. Yeah. So whether you're trying to connect better with your employees or your customers or your followers or each other, that's the stuff that I'll, I'll typically talk about. And then over the last uh, three or four years, I've developed some programs too. So I now have some online programs and coaching programs where I take people through the process of how to be a better networker, a better uh, public speaker, a better uh, uh, develop a better personal brand for yourself. And so I now do some coaching and then online online programs to help people uh, with the things they're trying to do. Like people are trying to get more fulfillment in their lives. They're trying to become more, have more focus and clarity in their lives, have more impact in their work. And so the work I do as a coach and a speaker is designed to try to help those people get to that next level, to go from good to great. And, uh, you know, my, my whole brand is what I call the power of connection, right? So, you know, I see it as personal branding, which is the connection with the self, yeah. uh, networking, authentic relationships, connection with others, and then digital media, digital media and social media influence, which is connection with the world. Yeah. And so I help individuals and organizations try to connect better with the world and create more impact with their work so that's the type of stuff i do i also run a uh, startup called dypb discovery personal brand and in that uh, organization we run training and programs and online tools to help people uh with personal branding and personal development type stuff um which which is a lot of fun so that's that's mostly what i do and uh it's a lot of fun i enjoy my work and uh, i feel like i'm having impact and so uh, it's been uh, an incredible journey and i'm I'm looking forward to continue doing it uh, and helping as many people as i can yeah and i was going to say to you you, you you said you just turned you said you just turned 49 yes um what's your what's your what's your plans for 50 because um, i'm i'm heading that way next year 50. yeah i don't know i i mean i I'd like, i think i'd like to have a bigger party than i normally would you know getting uh celebrating all the people in my life who've had an impact on me offering gratitude for the things that i've been able to do like it's it's been a great journey i've been through it's very very diverse i've been through a lot good and bad yeah and i think that what we do is we celebrate the good we process the bad and we try to be better every single day yeah yeah thanks for that and um you know like i say i hope the listeners uh, you know get inspiration from from you and where, where can they find you where can they find you with regards to social media and where, you know if they ever wanted to access your 
your your projects and just your talks and is it is, are sure. you on YouTube and sure sure so like uh, you know uh, uh, I'm everywhere on social media but my main handle is Rayhan Bobby so if you use that on Instagram Twitter Facebook LinkedIn and YouTube I'm there otherwise my website's rayallen.com and my other website's dypb.ca so those are all things that uh, uh, you can access me yeah right so yeah I really appreciate you coming on I mean be brilliant i mean obviously we've we've been back and forth with getting you on um i'd love to have your um i'd love to have another talk with you again maybe and maybe some different yeah there's a few things within that within today's episodes that we've spoke about and i'd like to maybe tap into a, a bit more um which would, which would be fantastic or you know or maybe you know your journey from one country to another or whatever um i'd love to have you on again and it'd be fantastic sure that, sure, that sounds great love that yeah all right then. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. And um, guys, if you you know if you're out there, um, if you if you're listening to um, you know, want inspiration, you've got Dr. Bobby Umar, and that was Men Are Nuts. Thank you, and I'll see you again. <laughs>